All right, I want you to close your eyes and let's get uh, straight into the Word of God. Father, we thank you, God. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us from your Word today. Holy Spirit, may your Word become relevant, Lord, applicable in our lives. And as we, Lord, start a series on the Messianic prophecies, Father, give us eyes that can see into the Spirit realm, ears that can hear the Spirit of God. So God, do what has to be done among us, Lord, today. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen. Well, today is the first Sunday of the season of Christmas. Every year during the first Sunday, the first, second, and the third Sundays, uh, uh, in December, I do a series on the Messianic prophecies. A Messianic prophecy is a prophecy foretold about the Messiah in the Old Testament. You know, even before any of these prophets met understood the totality of the divine plan of salvation from God. God used different prophets in the Old Testament to talk about and prophesy about the coming Messiah that they were told to expect, wait, and prepare themselves for. God revealed his plan through different prophets talking about the birth, the conditions in which he would be born, the ministry then we look at the suffering, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hundreds of years ago, sometimes thousands of years ago, a prophet who did not have the complete plan of the puzzle, yet only saw divinely a portion of God's divine plan prophesied unbeknown to him of the totality of the plan of salvation that God had for his people. These are the messianic prophecies, you know, some of them you would remember, you know, especially from the book of Isaiah, where it talks about, and his, he would be called wonderful counselor, the government will be upon his shoulders. You know, we just remember, or, or we often look at one or two of the prophecies in the Old Testament talking about uh, the birth and the, the ministry of Jesus Christ, you know. The other one would be like, uh, you know, where he says, oh, behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, you know. That was prophesied hundreds of years ago, even before God chose a virgin. And so these messianic prophecies, when you look at them, it calls us into a place of thanksgiving. To understand how, how faithful God is when he prophesied about a Messiah that's going to come. And most of the prophets never met each other, but prophesied part of the same plan of God. And when you see that, it just talks about the integrity and the faithfulness of God. And when you look at the faithfulness of God, it calls us to a place to worship him, praise him, and give thanks to him. So when you look at these messianic prophecies, you would also see how God divinely yet intricately bring in through different prophecies to remind people of a promise that he made to his people. Now, having said that, I want to keep your hearts open today that each one of us, we all have a prophecy, something foretold by God, a word or a promise, a dream, a vision that God has given to us concerning our lives, our future, kids, our family, or what we are involved in, a career or business, and so on and so forth. 
And when you look at that, it just talks about that God has a divine plan for each one of us. Right at the time when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, right at that time, God prophesied and said, behold, I'm going to send a savior to you. You read the book of Genesis, it talks, just talks about a savior would come, a messiah would come. There was a great expectancy. Now the Bible says there are over 320 prophecies or messianic prophecies just talk about the birth, the ministry, the suffering, death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 320 plus. What's interesting is that all these prophecies have been fulfilled by Jesus. Those 33 and a half years from the time of birth all the way to the time he was taken up to be with the Lord. And what's amazing is that God, partly he was revealing his plan to his people. Now, when you look at these messianic prophecies, yeah, it's a time of celebration. They are historical. And when you look at these historical events happening, it just you know, gives us faith and strength to celebrate God. Yet in those messianic prophecies, there is a principle. And that's what I'm after when I do these series, that in these messianic prophecies, there is a principle that is everlasting because a principle of the kingdom of God is everlasting. It worked back in those times. It worked back in the early church. It works right now and it works in the future too because a principle always reproduces the same results when somebody applies faith to a principle. So today and the next few weeks, as we look at these messianic prophecies, you know, these messianic prophecies brings us into a place of appreciation of who God is and his nature and his character. And while we appreciate and look at that and give thanks to him, there is a principle that we are going to uh, unpack and bring it to the surface so that that principle... You know, even though it's a messianic prophecy, historically it's been fulfilled, but yet there is a principle that extends to our generation into a time like this, that when we apply that principle, it works something beautiful in our lives. And that's what we're looking at. So I want us to read a messianic prophecy. And today I picked it up from Isaiah chapter 52 and reading from verse 13. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. Verse 14. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured. He seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, he, one would scarcely know he was a man. The last verse. And he will startle, surprise. Many nations, kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. It's a beautiful promise. You know, when you look at that, and we're going to unpack that, and you would see, and I'm sure it kind of already painted a picture in your head, that this is talking about the suffering of Christ. It's talking about, you know, how he would go through the suffering and what would happen in his life. So let's quickly roll back to verse 13. 13, 14, and 15, something profound has been packed into this. And when you read this, it makes sense because when you read the New Testament, you would see the fulfillment of all these messianic prophecies. And as I said, there is a principle that we are going to unpack today out of this messianic prophecy, which is applicable to us. It says, see my servant. Now, the word servant is talking about the servant of God, all right? Now, the Gospels, when you look at the Gospels, each writer of the Gospel presented Jesus differently. One of the Gospel writers says he presented him as a servant. 
Now he says, my servant, my son, will prosper. Now God is revealing his plan. He says, my son will prosper. The word prosper means success. My son will be successful. My son will, be, will accomplish the purpose. All right, so God is saying, my servant will be successful. And he will be highly exalted. Now listen, what he's saying is that God is talking about that he's sending his son and his son will be highly successful, highly exalted. The word exalted means to be lifted up after a time of downfall, after a time of humility, after a time of suffering, after a time of going through the beatings, then there comes a time where God elevates. And sure enough, we see that it's talking about that he was elevated when we look at the gospel towards the end, you would read the ascension story where he is lifted up now to be seated on the right hand side of God the Father. Ephesians 1 and 2 talks about it. It says that he now conquered sin and death. This is depicting a picture of the victorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he conquered sin and death. And for once and for all, he has conquered the power of death and sin so that he now has control to pardon the sins of mankind. And now he gives us eternal life he's been raised up highly exalted far above anybody and now he's sitting at the right hand of God the father in full glory full splendor power and authority I'm painting a picture of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and you know we we read that in the gospels and we know that he has been exalted right a prophecy about 400 to 600 years ago and then you see the fulfillment of the prophecy and when we read that today, we say, wow, that's profound, right? Verse 13 depicts about the prophecy, the, about you know, what's going to happen with him. 14 talks about the process. Look at verse 14. But many were amazed that they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. Now, you know, this is all talking about the abandonment in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the brutality by the Roman soldiers of, uh, you, know, you know, 39 lashes that ripped open his back, and then uh, the crown of thorns over his head, the mockery, the slapping, the spitting, you know, the humiliation that he went through. In one moment, he paints a picture of this divine, you know, majestic, powerful God sitting at the right hand of God the Father. In the next instance, he talks about the process or the passage through which he would be exalted and elevated. Now look at verse 15. It says, and in this process, or when he comes to finish the process, and he will surprise many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told about him. They will understand what they never heard about him. Now we're going to unpack these three verses. And today's title for the sermon as part of the Messianic prophecies is Success Redefined. And I want to talk about how, you know, the pursuit of our success, the pursuit of prosperity. Now prosperity is not only linked with financial gains and blessings. Well, that is one of the ways so, that we measure prosperity or success. So prosperity means when you are in great health, that's pros being prosperous. You have peace, that's prosperous. You can sleep well at night without any medication, that's prosperity. Who's understanding what I'm saying, 
right when you are able to get up in the morning and you you know you have this great assurance in your in your heart that everything is going to be all right you are in a prosperous state we that's what we are talking about we're not talking about a financial gain alone so now he says if you go back to verse 13 it says that my son will be prosperous now it was a specific prophecy towards jesus christ but the principle of success or prosperity is through suffering and that's what i want to talk about today we all want success in life we all want to you know enjoy life you all want to be prosperous and one of the pathways that god has designed whether we like it or not is through the pathway of suffering let me read to you some of the secular definitions and some of the successful people in the in the secular world define success measuring success can be tough without defining what it is the exact meaning of success is different for everybody now richard branson the founder of the virgin group this is what he said in my opinion true success should be measured by how happy you are that's one of the perceptions John Paul another billionaire entrepreneur who said very successful man he says success isn't how much money you have success is not what you what position you have success is how well you do what you do when nobody is watching you you know the true character the way to, the way to measure true character is what you do when nobody is watching that's the real you right that's a and uh, there's another definition the, the definition of success is waking up in the morning with a smile on your face knowing it's going to be a great day there is no particular accepted globally accepted definition for success it just depends on how you measure success now the way i measure success can be very different to the way somebody else's measures success the way you measure success can be very different to the way somebody else measures success but however we all want to be successful success is like a movie which has got a good ending with happiness and they lived after happily forever and you feel good about it when you're leaving the theater all right when your favorite uh, <clears throat> the, the lead cast is killed have you seen people cry in the movies we all want happy in a finishing you know we want you want the movie to have uh, end on a happy note well sometimes success is measured one of the ways all right success is measured by what you're going through right now and maybe you are going through hardships and you think ah oh, i'm not successful well did you know that success is not a position it's a journey success is a journey because the moment you think you have arrived you've not arrived success is a journey well from this beautiful principle we not only see the fulfillment of a great promise and jesus completed all that but the principle of prosperity being prosperous successful talks about in verse 14 that he went through suffering suffering can be one of the ways that can lead you into success suffering is something that god has designed in our lives very interesting as much as we don't want pain and suffering god can use pain and suffering to build something beautiful bring something beautiful to the surface and yet through that you can he can lead you into a place of elevation all right now keep that in mind and uh, let me read to you a few things and then we're going to come back to the scripture the servant has a divine mission in this particular scripture portion to accomplish through suffering 
before the word my servant will be prosperous my servant will be highly exalted all right the pathway for prosperity and to be exalted is through suffering isaiah tells us that suffering of the servant went to such a depth and degree that there were more than any person has ever endured men would have been astonished and filled with horror at the sight of his marred appearance he has reserved telling us the reason for the intense suffering until now now just think about it when isaiah was prophesying he did not know why his servant or his son had to go through that intense suffering i mean just think about it if we have to prophesy or god gives us an idea about the future when you don't understand the full picture of it and you're prophesying and you're seeing on one side there is elevation and on another side you see this deep pit of humiliation suffering pain mockery and you can't understand you don't understand what's the purpose of this suffering before this elevation why is it it's designed on a pathway that we have to go through suffering before we are elevated and that's what isaiah was depicting he was talking about you know yet he he was puzzled but he did not have the answers but yet he prophesizes what the spirit of god was showing him and i believe it was reserved to tell us the reason for that intense suffering when we understand today on this side of the cross of why the pain the suffering the agony the abandonment the loneliness that he's been through it only brings him into that place of elevation i don't know who i'm speaking with this morning but i'm praying and i'm speaking to you as much as we love success in life sometimes god creates a pathway and today let us embrace this pathway as we look at this messianic prophecy even though it is not nice to the point jesus who was in the human form for a moment was taken over by flesh when he said father if it is possible can you let me escape this not my will but let your will be done because he knew exactly what he was going to walk into he knew exactly the suffering that he's going to go through not every suffering is to destroy you not every suffering it has been determined to do, to take away things it may look like for a moment and a season but eventually that path of success of suffering without abandonment or on trusting god without giving up on your faith will eventually lead you into a place of success the success of the servant comes because god causes him to prosper this will not be the way men will view him they will see him as being punished for his own sins i mean when you look at it go back to verse 14 here look at verse 14 it says but when many were amazed when they saw him his face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human now i know there is a historical reference to that right when you look at you know beautifully depicted in some of the movies of about crucifixion maybe that's only a portion of what he actually been through right but it kind of at least helps us to connect with the story he was disfigured he seemed i mean the the bible is saying that people couldn't recognize him the kind of the beatings that he took the suffering he's been through and look at verse 15 and he will So what he's saying is that after this suffering there is coming a time of elevation. So if you're part if you are through walking through a path of suffering there is coming a, a a state of elevation 
And he says, and when he, and he will surprise many people. Right, when you know the people, when you see suffering going through and people see you suffer, maybe sometimes people are the reason why you're suffering. Maybe there are, you know, the, 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 the circumstances throw you into a place when you go through that suffering. But the end of that suffering is comes, comes that you will actually surprise people. They wouldn't know that you know, you're made up of this kind of a metal on the inside of you. And that strength only comes today as we draw power and strength and encouragement from this scripture. That the path of prosperity and success was through suffering that Jesus went. Why would God allow sufferings to come into our lives? There are different reasons why God allows suffering to come. But it is part of the divine plan of God that not every suffering, even though it seemed like is meant to destroy you and tear you apart, but that suffering can lead you into a success. Maybe there is somebody who's going through intense suffering. Maybe there is somebody who's going through unbelievable pain and you can't even explain. And I want you to take strength this morning. And I believe God brought you into the house today so that he can speak to you. He can minister to you because he wants to paint a picture that at the end of the tunnel of the suffering, there is elevation. I don't know who I'm speaking with this morning, but I want you to be encouraged that the, you know, the, this suffering season is, gonna last, is not going to last for long. But the end of this suffering comes success. If you go back to verse 13, when you look at the word highly exalted, Ephesians 2 paints a picture. He says that he, was, he, was, he suffered, he went through the crucifixion, he went through pain and agony. He says, now Christ is elevated to sit on the right hand of God the Father. And so today, I want to quickly run through four areas of suffering that we go through in our lives. But just before that, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 from the New King James Version. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. When he was suffering, he fixed his eyes on the ultimate purpose. What was the joy? The joy of you and I being redeemed. The joy of our relationship being restored. The joy of us being restored back unto God. Who for the joy, despising shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. That's the picture that we're going to paint. And if you look at Ephesians 2, it says that God has now elevated the church, you and I. Once we go through the suffering, we are equally elevated, sitting on the right hand of God the Father. We will rule and reign with Him. Suffering can touch four areas of our lives. Our physical health that can be taken from us, temporarily or sometimes permanently. Our most important relationship in life may be lost. The second area of suffering can be in a relationship. The first one is a physical health. The second one is in a uh, relationship. The third one, our emotional health can be attacked by stress, depression, or different mental you know, challenges or illness. And the fourth one, <clears throat> our spiritual lives may be shaken as we fight spiritual battles. There are four common areas where we experience suffering, physical health or physical body. And then we have um, relationships. And then we have emotional health and our spiritual health. And maybe there is somebody sitting here today. As we unpack this messianic prophecy, you would see physically he, was, he went through pain. Emotionally he went through pain. You know, the, the abandonment, the separation of 
you know, of him from his friends, even to the point on the cross, he says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? It is the point of the highest abandonment, the loneliness. When you look at this, you would see, you know, you can relate our lives to this. And that's why there is a principle in this. That as this season, this season of Christmas, as we kickstart this season, let us trust God. That our the pathway to success, sometimes God allows sufferings to come into our life. And maybe there is somebody affected in your health. Maybe it's taken away temporarily. Or maybe there is a permanent damage done to your physical body. Sometimes we don't have answers to our suffering and our struggles. You can't validate it. You can't measure it against what you've done. The quickest and one of the most quickest things that comes into our head is, what sin have I committed? Is this the judgment of God? That's how our flesh will begin to talk to us so we can come into that place of, um, into that place of disappointment that we give up on God. Jesus knew exactly in the Garden of Gethsemane when one, you know, one after the other, his friends were being taken away. As he was leading into that place of loneliness, right in that place of loneliness, he was still in the divine plan of God towards success. It is hardest. You cannot comprehend. But I'm telling you, if you can hang in there today, when you come out, you would see that you're going to startle people. And they would wonder, they said, I did not know this side of you, that you are so strong. And that comes only after an excruciating pain and suffering comes the elevation. You want to talk about humility? The son of God being spat on, you know, beard being pulled off his cheeks. You know, he was smacked on his face to the point they started to say, prophesy who slapped you. And to that point and then says he was highly exalted. Sometimes we think that we, as Christians we are insulated from humility. But God uses humility sometimes as a channel to exalt us. Did you know that if there is no valley, there is no mountain? And without mountain, there is no valley. Likewise, if there is no humility, there is no exaltation. You would not appreciate exaltation when God lifts you up unless you've been through humility. I hope I'm speaking to somebody and I want to infuse faith into your heart today that as we start this season of Christmas, you are in a good place. If he suffered and if he allows us to go through some suffering, we did not sign up for it, but God sometimes orchestrates things to happen in our lives. And as we go through that, may our hearts be strengthened today by the hearing of this word. That through this messianic prophecy, success has been redefined. We no longer see success from the perspective of humanity, but we look success through the perspective of, he of the heavenlies because God uses these circumstances to come into our lives so he can elevate us. Let me quickly run through, you know, what you, you know, what's your attitude, what we can do while we are, you know, walking with God through suffering. The first one is bring your pain to God and do not run away from God. One of the first things that happens when, a, when we go through suffering is it has the potential to take us away from God. We stop praying, we stop reading the Bible, we are upset with God and we think, what's the point? And we don't, the moment you, you, know, you see these things start in your life, that's a sign that these have the ability to take you away from God. Rather than running from God, run to God in the suffering. You know, we, we don't have to understand everything. But when we run to Him, there is safety. Psalm 34, 18 says, 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Are you crushed this morning? Are you brokenhearted today? I want you to receive the comfort that the Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted. Amen. The Lord, you know, never abandons anybody whose spirits are crushed. He rescues them. Don't give up. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. It doesn't say he would never allow them to be wounded, but he allows you to get wounded and then he heals your wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The second thing that we can do is fill your life with God's word and God's people. The only thing that will give you the strength to go through the suffering is surround yourself with the right people. How we respond to pain and suffering is critical to how we process what's happening and how healing will take place. Look at this. You know, if you treat physical sickness with an inappropriate medication, not only will your sickness continue, but it can become worse. When you're sick, you know what? The right medication is really important. When you're sick, when you're physically sick, when you're emotionally sick, when you're mentally sick, you know, when you're attacked, that, you know what? One of the things that you need, you need to surround yourself with people who will infuse faith into you. Classic example, we don't have time to go into that. Job. Job had people, his friends, his wife, who were constantly telling him, curse God, die. His friends came around. You know, he thought initially they were great support. But then they started to judge him. Oh, you know what? Maybe you've done something wrong. That's why God is judging you. God is punishing you. Now, there's life lessons that we can learn out of these stories. But when you fill your life with God's word and surround yourself with people who speak hope and encouragement into your life, your experience will be much healthier. Psalm 119, or three. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Right in the middle of a suffering, a right word spoken, a word of encouragement. You don't need people around you who will push you down further. You need somebody who would believe in you and say, rather than judging you, stand with you and say, I think it's going to be okay. God is going to help you. In this suffering, you will come out victorious. You need a word like that. That's why it says, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Psalm 34, 8, David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's inviting us because he's been through the kind of suffering he's been through. He's saying, now come, taste, experience and see the Lord is good. Amen. The third one, let me quickly run through this, all right? Believe that God will turn your sorrow into great joy. One of the paradoxes of Christianity is that our good God uses pain and suffering for our good. Don't ask me how. Meaning that our biggest sorrows can result in our greatest joy. 2 Corinthians 1.4 He comforts us in all our troubles so that, when, so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. If you never received comfort, you can't give comfort. If you never received hope, you can't give hope. Right? So he says, God comforts us all in our tribulation that we may be able to strengthen those who are in any trouble. The last one, our pain and our suffering will, last, will not last for long. Isn't that good news this morning? 
that his pain did not last long in psalm 33 it says psalm 30 it says weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning in a suffering may endure for the night suffering may endure for a season suffering may endure for winter time but joy is coming in summertime Amen. I don't know who I'm speaking with, but I want you to be, you know, I want to take courage today that as we go through this uh, messianic prophecy, the way to success, the way to elevation, the way to, to, to startle people in your world is through suffering sometimes. We all, uh, you know, as you walk through the suffering today or in the days to come, remember the words of our Lord, Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 27. Can I have the team up, please? John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Maybe that's somebody's word today. Maybe that's your prophecy today. Maybe that's your encouragement today. He left his peace with you. Amen. Not the world, like the world, not like the world gives you peace. Momentary, conditional, temporary, permanent. Matthew 28. 20th was the last part of it it says and be sure of this I am with you always even to the end of the age can we all stand to our feet let me pray with you just close your eyes stretch forth your hands beautiful moment I want you to just think about this messianic prophecy. You know, there are two perceptions today. When you look at from a historical perception, it's a great fulfillment of the prophecy. But when you look at a believer's perception, it's the same principle. Success through suffering. Success through pain. Prosperity through pain. Father, we thank you, God, for your word today. And Father, I pray, may this word take a deep root in our spirit, Lord. God, you know our conditions, you know what we're going through, you know our battles, you know our circumstances, Lord. Maybe some of them, Lord, we are not responsible. Maybe most of them, we are responsible, Lord. However, Lord, it is, Father, Lord, we pray in the midst of our suffering, Lord. Would you give us the strength, Lord? We thank you, God, that you would lead us into success prosperity and thank you god for the elevation that's coming lord that you're going to exalt us you're going to lift us up father a moment of humility is going to lead us into a place of exaltation lord and father i pray if there is somebody who's walking through and suffering through humility god i pray would you exalt them would you bring them into a place of uh, lord of uh, honor into a place of where their reputation will become great and father i pray lord that would you turn around our circumstances may this season of suffering lord that uh, lord bring lord bring us more closer to you father we thank you god thank you for your word today lord god i pray strengthen our faith lord bless your people lord peace the peace that you give to us lord may it come upon us right now in jesus name that every heaviness will be lifted up, Lord. We thank you, God. I want to give an opportunity to anybody who's never made a commitment to follow Jesus. Maybe you're visiting with us for the first time or you've been coming to church for some time. Today, I want to invite you to the cross that in your suffering, you can meet Jesus. And when you meet him, your life will be turned around. 
Maybe you walked away from him. Maybe there are some sufferings that caused so much of pain, agony that it took you away from God. Doesn't matter. Today you can make a recommitment, you can come back to him. Or maybe there is somebody who may wants to make a fresh commitment. If there is somebody who says I want to give my life to Jesus, can you please put your hand up? I want to pray with you. Wherever you are, just stand, you know, just put your hand up. I want to pray with you. I want to help you make a decision to follow Christ. Thank you Jesus. Father, we thank you God for this day, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord. Oh God, I pray, may this word take a deep root in our spirit, Lord. And Father, let joy, peace, strength be released upon us now in Jesus name, Father. We thank you God. Bless your people, Lord. In Jesus name, Father, we pray. Amen. Do you want to give him praise this morning for his word?